All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining our live stream broadcast today from Rock City Church here in Corpus Christi, Texas. I'm so thankful that you've joined us. And uh, today I'm going to make a huge announcement at the end of my message of when we're going to have our first church service. And so I know some of you are anxious and desirous to hear when that's going to be. Uh, But first, I'm going to make you listen to this word before I actually share the great news that I'm so excited to tell you. So again, thank you so much for dialing in and thank you for joining us today. You're in the comforts of your home or your car or maybe your bathroom wherever you're at. I'm so glad that you're joining us. And uh, today, I'm super excited about this message and all that I believe it's going to speak to you for. So thank you again for dialing in. Before we go any further, I would like to ask all of you to please consider supporting us. Uh, If you would like to give to our church, we could certainly use the help, especially as we've treads through the last six weeks of being shut down. About half half of our giving comes from when we meet. And so I want to thank you guys for giving online. I want to thank you for supporting us. And thank you for making the switch to give online. It makes it so much easier. And uh, we're going to be making some changes when we come back together. And I'll tell you what those are. So giving online is going to be really important. And if you would like to support us, there are three different ways that you can give. You can give online at our website, which is rockcitycorpus.com. You can text from your smartphone, 77977, and type in Rock City Corpus in all caps. And then uh, you can create an account if you haven't, and then always give right from your smartphone with a text to give. And then you can also come by our church offices or mail us a check. Our address is 10309 South Padre Island Drive, Corpus Christi, Texas, 78418. And again, thank you so much for being with us. I can hardly wait to see all of you. Uh, I think I'm about at my end of preaching to a, a empty sanctuary and worshiping without all of you. And so I can hardly wait for us to be back together. And again, I'm super excited to share with you the news of when we're going to meet and what that's going to look like. So let's pray and we'll dive into everything that the Lord has in store for us. Jesus, thank you for everybody that's watching right now. Thank you for all my friends and family. Thank you, God, for just being with us during this time that even while we're apart, your spirit is between us and with us. Thank you that you unify us by your spirit. And thank you, God, that even when we're apart, we're never alone. I pray for comfort and strength to everybody that's watching that's been battling frustration, depression, anger, financial loss, hardship, loneliness, isolation, Uh, Anything that anybody's dealing with that's been so weighty and so hard for them, I pray for them, Lord. And I ask God that your spirit would invade their home, invade their heart, invade their ears and eyes, Lord, by your presence. I pray, God, that everyone that is connected to this church and to my life would be comforted and strengthened and touched by you. I pray, Lord, that you would bring hope and great faith and encouragement into their hearts during this time. That, Lord, we would not allow ourselves to become so discouraged and frustrated or angry or bitter, but rather we'd keep our eyes on you, who brings hope, life, future, comfort, and strength in a way that no one else can. Thank you, God, that you bring peace in a way that the world can't bring. So we look to you, our Prince of Peace, who has a full, abundant supply of all the peace and the joy and the strength that we need. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.
So let's dive in and uh, just prepare yourselves because I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures and I'm going to give them to you hard and fast. And so I encourage you to get your notepads or to write these scriptures down because I'm going to talk about a topic that is pretty weighty, but I believe is vitally important right now. You know, it's hard to imagine that it's been six weeks since we've met together as a church body here in God's house. Six weeks. Wow, it's crazy to think about. And as a pastor that's a high extrovert, six weeks without corporate worship, without true communion, personal face-to-face conversations, seeing you, interacting with you, altar call ministries, rescuing people, and seeing you and your family has been incredibly difficult for me. In fact, it's been brutally hard, especially navigating through last week, or actually a few weeks ago, which was an Easter Sunday morning, a Resurrection Sunday with no one here in church. But we're having a good time in the midst of it. It's been hard. It's been difficult. Uh, But at the same time, I have great hope inside of my heart. Now, all of us have had to face a unique set of difficult circumstances through this. And I don't know one person, wealthy or poor, that's not had to overcome great challenges during this time. All of us have had to face difficulties, challenges, or struggles in one way or another, and especially uncertainties. And at the same time, so many great things have come from this time. Today, I actually want to talk to you about the highs and the lows we faced in summary, as well as the extreme challenges I know so many of us are facing right now. And with this in mind, I want to make the case for the critical importance for church and the local church body, and why we need church family now more than ever, and why all of you should either be here or somewhere else when this passes. You need to be connected to a local church body. Many people don't understand why, biblically, we're commanded to be a part of a local church. They don't understand the importance or the mandate and the necessity for church and congregating in a central meeting place corporately. And so today I want to make the case, and though I know so many of you are watching and you don't need convincing, you're so eager to get back into the house of God together like I am, so many of you don't need convincing, some of you might. There's a really good chance that a lot of you that are watching have been extremely frustrated with church or don't see the need or the reason why we need to meet together corporately. And I know there's a lot of brokenness in the church, but I also know that God has an incredible purpose for his body and the local church, and I want to show that to you. Maybe you've said to yourself one of the following statements, church isn't for me. I don't need to go to church to be close to God. The church isn't a building, thus I don't need to be involved. I don't really see the need to attend church. My church is the great outdoors. Or maybe you've had some incredibly bad experiences or even church hurts from your past that have substantially reduced your desire to be connected to a local body or a local church. And so if you've said any of those things or thought them, then this message is for you. Today, I'm going to be talking about why church and why is church so vitally important to our lives and why are we biblically commanded to be a part of a local church? This message is also for those of you who haven't known how to answer the questions to those that have been hurt or jaded or don't see the need for local church or have stayed disconnected or feel like they don't need the church 
in order to be close to God or their church is the beach or the mountains or the park or the great outdoors. And so we're gonna answer some of those questions. But first, let me share with you some of the good things that have come out of the last six weeks. First, many of us have had to face and overcome a lot of uncertainty and a lot of fears. So many of us have found greater trust and rest in the Lord. We found ourselves trusting him like never before and finally finding ourselves at a place of peace. Some of us have had a greater confidence in the Lordship of Christ. We've really learned to put our trust in him and say, there's nothing I can do about the circumstances. Thus, I'm gonna put more of my trust and my hope in him. So many people have begun to walk and preach with greater authority. I've actually watched churches that I've been connected with where I've seen the pastors rise up in greater confidence and authority, authority like I've never seen before. And that's also happened to so many of us on Facebook Lives and preaching to friends and family. There's been a greater boldness and confidence that's risen up. Dreams and visions, that's one thing that I'm seeing pop like popcorn. So many people are dreaming and having visions during this time. There's been an incredible outpouring of revelation from the Lord. You wouldn't believe the number of dreams that have been sent into the church. And I do wanna remind you guys that this coming Wednesday, I'm gonna do another Facebook Live public dream interpretation like last week. And so if you would like to submit your dreams, if you've been having dreams, send them to melody at rockcitycorpus.com and I'll hopefully interpret them. Now, if your dreams are short stories or mini novels, Chances are likely I'm not going to do them because it's hard to do a three-page dream on a Wednesday night, but send your dreams in anyway because we're putting those really into like a book of Chronicles where we're going to look back and remember the dreams that so many people had. So if you're dreaming, whether church-related or personal-related, send them and maybe I'll interpret some of them this coming Wednesday night. There's been a greater unity in our church body at home, and I've seen a greater unity abroad. And so our church has become more unified to help each other through this storm than ever before. I've seen people helping with children, helping with food, helping with dogs, helping with needs, helping with groceries, and we've really come together as a tight-knit body. But I've also seen greater unity in the church in our city. Pastors are now, I'm actually talking to pastors I've never spoken to before. We started a pastor's council that now has over 30 pastors connected to it. And we're now building relationships and communing and talking and sharing and leaning on each other through this time. And I've also seen it happen globally. There's been a much broader reach with our live stream broadcast. So prior to this, now of course we had church, but prior to this we were running maybe 200 views a week. Now we're running 100% increase of 2,000 to 3,000 views a week on a Sunday morning, which is absolutely incredible. So, so many people, especially those that maybe weren't a part of a church or uh, didn't feel the need to be connected to church or were looking for answers, are now watching online, which is pretty incredible. And so, we've also learned new things in how to reach and impact people's lives without gathering in a church people in a church building. So we've had to basically implement new strategies and new methods outside of meeting in a church building, which has been fantastic from these live streams to Facebook Facebook lives to phone calls and to staying more intimately connected with people outside of the church. 
people are finding their complete dependency on God every day, even when they don't have corporate gatherings. This really gets me fired up because so many people lean on church every week to find their strength and to find their comfort. Whereas now when we were forced not to meet in the church building, well, I say forced, we probably could have done it regardless, but we chose not to. What's happened is, is people have learned to lean on Jesus now every day of the week, which is something that I desire more than anything, is that people would get their daily bread, spend time with Jesus, and really, really dig in deep to discover who he is in their everyday life. And that's been happening. People are using technology and social media in a better way. And finally, not taking church for granted A massive hunger and thirst has been birthed in so many people's hearts to regather. I have missed you guys so much. And I never took it for granted, honestly. I, since the day I got born again, I was in church probably every Sunday unless I was on vacation with my wife uh, but, or really sick, which was very rare. But for the most part, I haven't missed a Sunday in, I don't know, 27 years. And so, so many of us have realized how much we love our church and love gathering and love worshiping. And it's like absence makes the heart grow fonder. And that's one great thing that I believe has happened during this time. We've really recognized the need to gather together. But probably my all-time favorite thing, more than everything that I have just told you during this time that I see as an incredible benefit and opportunity that I pray no one missed and that you would not miss it if you have, is the restoration of family and fatherhood. I believe the number one issue plaguing society, greater than pornography and human trafficking and even suicide and opioid addiction, is fatherlessness. And now fathers who have been workaholics, who have thought they were doing the best they can for their family by providing, who are gone so much of the time, have now been forced to be home with their family. And my prayer is that it would have produced an incredible unity and a bond with your spouse and with your children and that you would have found the importance and the time and never take that for granted of being home together with your family. Now on the flip side, we've had a lot of difficulties and one of those has been there has been an increase of domestic abuse and domestic violence, which I'll briefly talk about that. A lot of frustration, a lot of hurts, a lot of pains, a lot of loss, depression. There's a lot of people that are going through a lot of difficult times. And so as much as we've had a lot of great things that have happened, there's been a lot of difficult things. Some of the difficult things is some people have faced real financial loss or what I would call financial ruin. People's businesses have shut down. People's income is shut down. That we found ourselves now dependent on loans or stimulus checks or uncertainty. I personally know people whose businesses have shut down, and I have faced myself faced uh, real difficulties with my own business and uncertainty with even making payroll. Payroll. Now, by the grace of God, people have continued to get out of their homes and come by and buy coffee, which has been enough for me to make payroll. Thank God. But I've had to shut down payments to vendors and credit cards and really, really hunker down on staff. And I've got a lot of staff that have been out of work through this. And so a lot of people are struggling with financial loss or ruin. 
A lot of people are struggling with the loss of their value and identity, which came from their income, their jobs, or their businesses. Now, on the flip side, if you can find your value and identity in the Lord instead of your work and your career and your money, you will be so much better for it. You'll find peace and strength in the midst of it. If I lose my coffee shops, Jesus is my Lord. And it's hard, and there's a weight to it, and I can really struggle with it, but at the same time, I have complete confidence in Jesus, and I've maintained that position throughout this entire time. And it doesn't mean I may not weep, and it doesn't mean that it's not difficult, but it does mean that my trust is in Jesus, and I know that no matter what happens, he's going to see me through. But there's a lot of people that have really lost their value and identity, and they don't have the hope that I have in Jesus. And so my heart and my hope is that you would find the same thing that I have found through all of this. There's, there's been a lot of hopelessness and depression. I don't know that we know the magnitude of it, but we already know that depression is a huge sickness and illness in our society today. In fact, I don't know if you know, but that depression is most common among young adults ages 18 to 25, and over 17 million adults experience a major depressive episode in any given year. That's over 7% of our population. Now, we don't have the stats of what's happened with coronavirus. We don't know what's happened when people have been shut down or at home, but here's what we do know. Isolation, loneliness, and despair, and depression are the leading causes of suicide. Measures taken to reduce the spread of the virus like social distancing can exasperate pre-existing mental and physical health problems and especially suicidal thoughts. They're directly related to isolation and loneliness. And so with our social distancing and stay-at-home mandates, people that have battled mental health or battled the loss of value, loss of identity, or hopelessness can begin to battle suicidal thoughts. And one loss of life due to suicide from coronavirus is tragic. And so people being isolated, people being at home that don't have family and community is a great tragedy. Suicide rates have been up 35% over the last 10 years. It's the 10th leading cause of death for all ages, but it's the second leading cause of death ages 10 to 34 and the fourth for ages 35 to 54. Suicide is a killer and people are isolated, hurting, and broken. And as we talk about the need for church, you've got to understand that in these difficult times, which were going on long before coronavirus, people need community. They need family. They need relationships, healthy relationships. Did you know that roughly 123 Americans a day or 45,000 a year die of suicide? That's one suicide every 12 minutes. So you can do the math in an hour, two hour time period of us being together, how many people have taken their life. The top indicators of suicidal thoughts are mental health and depression, people becoming withdrawn, avoiding close friends or family, they lose interest of social events and activities, and people become isolated. That's why I hit the isolation thing every day for years so hard. And what I say to you is no matter what you're going through, don't give up and don't stay isolated. We need each other. And I realize that relationships and family can be messy, but God calls us to do church and family 
right. The church is supposed to be a family. And I'm going to hit that theme real hard because people are hurting and broken. So when we talk about why we need church, you've got to understand the bad news so that when we talk about the gospel and the good news, it brings hope and comfort and life to those who are dying and sick. But it also teaches us what normal is supposed to look like. You know, the top indicators of suicidal thoughts really besides mental health and depression, are people who battle major addiction. That's why we have a recovery program here called Redeem that meets on Monday nights. We need it so desperately. We need spirit-filled, family-driven recovery programs. And addiction is a huge factor when it comes to depression and when it comes to even suicide and the loss of life because people don't care anymore. But we want to get people to care. And so we've got to have these recovery programs and we have to have family. Some other things that are, that are difficult during this time, opioid addiction. I don't know if you know, but 70 to 80,000 people died last year just from opioid overdoses. The divorce rates in our nation are 40 to 50%. That means one out of every two marriages will end in divorce. People could lose relationships through this time. As people become isolated or we become separated, when we were once gathered together, people can fall through the cracks, disengage, fall off the radar, and it can be a real tragedy. Domestic violence. The National Coalition Against Domestic Violence says this. 10 million abuse, there are 10 million abuse cases a year, which equates to 20 people per minute being physically abused by an intimate partner. National hotlines receive 20,000 domestic violence calls a day. Human trafficking. Estimates suggest that about 50,000 people are trafficked into the U.S. each year, most often from Mexico and the Philippines. Over half, 51% of criminal human trafficking cases active in the U.S. right now were sex trafficking cases, and guess who they involved? Children. This is a tragedy, and these things grow even more in the midst of times like coronavirus. And this is why in isolation and lockdown, it's so important that we go the extra mile to reach people, but it's also even more paramount that we meet together when this is all said and done. All this points to the need for family and community, which in turn directly points to the need to directly gather together as a local church body. Listen to this statement. I've said it many, many times, and I want you to think about your first thought when I say this statement. What, it, what feeling does it bring to you when I say this statement? If you're not a part of a local church, you are out of the will of God. If you're not a part of a local church, you're out of the will of God. Now, of course, anyone who believes in or loves God and is not connected to a local church does not want to hear that. And if you have church hurts or you're angry with the local church, you could, be, you could even be offended by that statement. But I genuinely believe that statement to be true. And I believe it's very important while you guys are sitting at home in the comforts of your home, and I have plenty of time to teach you this message, and we're not all thinking about getting to the lunch buffet or going to eat or how long's Pastor David going to go today. I think it's so important that I help you to understand why church is so important. 
This is a message that you don't hear very often. And I feel like as we now prepare to regather together, I want to really put an urgency and an understanding into your heart why you need to be connected with the local church. Now, I get it. So many local churches around the world are in it for the wrong reasons or are not healthy or have serious issues or pastors might be dysfunctional. I get that. I also understand many of you may have real church hurts from your past. But I want to say right off the bat, it's a new day and God's doing a new thing. Really, God is on the move to make his church a family. And so I want to talk to you about why it's so important we gather together as a church. And I want to answer a few questions for you right now and help you to understand why being connected to a local church is part of God's plan for every Christian and every believer. So get ready to write some scriptures down because I'm going to hit you quick with some of these. First, what are the scriptural references for the church both locally and globally? What does the Bible have to say about church both locally and globally? Did you know that there's a worldwide church of God that's called the body of Christ in which all believers join when they're born again? It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 through 24. Hebrews 12, verse 22 through 24. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, I want you to see that word, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. So when you get born again, we join into a general assembly, we become a church of the firstborn all over the world, and Ultimately, we are brought to Jesus, the, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So basically, what that scripture means is, when you get born again, we come under the blood of Jesus, we become his, and we join into a global, universal church of God all over the world. Brothers and sisters in every nation, every tongue, every tribe, we're now part of the body of Christ all over the world. Next, you have to understand that the Bible calls us a body. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. As the body is one and has members, all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So we have to understand that when you get born again and you become Christian, you then become a part of a body. This is probably the greatest case that I can help you to understand of why you assemble and connect and be. If I cut my hand off or I cut my leg off, does it do me any good? The answer is no. But my hand and my foot have to be my body, right? And he's the head, we're the body, and we have to be connected together. We all have a purpose. We all have to support each other, or the body is left with a weak spot. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So we see that all of us have a part to play. All of us are individual members 
that ultimately makes us one. God wants us to be one, but if we're disconnected, it's very difficult for us to be one. Next, I love this scripture. It's Ephesians chapter two, verse 18 through 22. Ephesians two, verse 18 through 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens, notice this, fellow citizens with the saints and members of what? The household of God. Notice we're called a household, which means family, which means connection, which means every dynamic that comes with family. So when you get born again, and you become a Christian, you now are a fellow citizen in the kingdom of God with who? Saints, and you become a member of God's house. Verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So the body of Christ or the household of God becomes a dwelling place for the spirit of God to dwell on earth as it is in heaven. We're a body. We need each other. We need relationships. We need to be connected. Now, I know this can be a lot for a lot of you on a Sunday morning, but like I said, as we rethink church, as we reevaluate what our future is going to look like, I can't make a stronger case for you of how important it is for you to be part of a local church body, whether it's here or somewhere else, wherever you live, you're going to have to find a church. And I'm going to help you with that a little bit more today. So locally, we saw the first church grow in the book of Acts just before and after the Holy Spirit descended. Let's look at Luke chapter 24, verse 53. After Jesus ascended to heaven, as soon as Jesus ascended in Luke 24, 53, look at this scripture. The disciples were continually where? in the temple, praising and blessing God. So even the disciples continually met in the temple to praise and bless God. Then, of course, we had the 120 disciples and apostles that were meeting together where? In the upper room. Acts chapter one, verse 12 through 14, talks about how the the Holy Spirit poured out when the 120 were gathered together in unity and one accord praying together. And so something profound happens when we come together and pray and worship in one accord. We have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in corporate worship. Then after the Holy Spirit descended, they met in the temple daily, they fellowshiped, they prayed, they followed the apostles' doctrine, Uh, they followed, they walked in the fear of the Lord together, they had true fellowship, which is koinonia, The word fellowship in the New Testament literally means called out or separated, but it also is the word that we have for the church, which is a popular meeting or a religious congregation. The Lord would add to the church daily. Let's look at Acts chapter 5, verse 11 through 12. After Ananias and Sapphira died for lying to the Holy Spirit, which I believe they had a heart attack, Scripture states that great fear came on the church, great sign and wonders were done, and they continued to meet together publicly. Look at the scripture. Great fear came upon all the church and all who heard these things. Verse 12, Acts 5, 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord, where? 
at Solomon's porch. Solomon's porch was just, was at the temple, but just outside. And so you've got to see that God always calls us to meet corporately, and this always happened even in the early church. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Acts 9, 31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. I love, love, love this scripture. Notice it says the churches throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. So right off the bat, we saw churches that the apostle Paul planted. And these churches in Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified. And they walked in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And people kept adding to them. That's why in our church, we have to have the fear of the Lord and the active comfort of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's powerful scriptures. You know that Jesus continually taught and preached the gospel of the kingdom and he healed people where? In synagogues. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter four, verse 23. Matthew chapter four, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. So he healed and he taught and preached in the synagogues. Same with the apostle Paul, Acts chapter 18, verse four. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Every Sabbath, where was the apostle Paul? In the synagogue. Now I know this is a lot of scriptures, but I think a lot of you may have never heard or understood the importance of church and what the early apostles and what even Jesus did. Look at Luke chapter four, verse 15. Luke four fifteen, And he, Jesus, taught in their synagogues and was glorified by all. Luke chapter four, verse 43 through 44. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Watch this. And he was preaching where? In the synagogues of Galilee. In Galatians chapter 1, 2, we see that, the, that Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19, the churches of Asia greet you. Now notice this, Aquila and Priscilla uh, greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that's in their house. And we're gonna talk about buildings versus houses. We're gonna talk about that in just a moment. But in the early days, we saw house churches. And you see one right here. And you also see the churches of Asia greeting a house church. So it's very important that you see those things and that you understand. There's so many more scriptures I have about the churches in Philemon. Uh, There was written to another house church. But let's talk about the purpose of the local church. This is what really gets me excited. I know that was a lot of scriptures, but what I really wanted you to see is we saw churches right off the bat meeting in homes, meeting publicly, the people gathered and assembled. Now they probably didn't have access to shopping centers and giant buildings. Of course, they were in Israel or the nations in that area in the Middle East. So you didn't see to that degree. But it's important that you understand what the purpose of the local church is. There are many purposes of the local church body. The main purposes are 
to offer sacrifices. So people would come to the temple to make sacrifices. What are the sacrifices that we make? Well, we make the sacrifice of praise. We make the sacrifice of worship. And I could give you so many scriptures on this topic alone, but I'm already bombarding you with a lot of scriptures today. But check out this scripture. I love this one, Psalm 22, 22, 2, 2, 2, 2. I love, love, love this scripture. It says, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. And then, of course, Psalm 134, verse 2, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. So there's something profound about meeting in a sanctuary in a house of God with corporate worship, demonstrating our faith publicly to even our our family. My children watch me worship. Sons and daughters watch their parents worship. And we come together as a congregation in corporate worship. And I'll say to you, something happens when you gather together to worship as a family or a community. And there's so many biblical insights to that. There's something that you'll only get privately, but there's something you'll only get corporately when we come together to worship with one another. And so worship, prayer, giving, presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. Romans 12, we have to present ourselves to the Lord as a living sacrifice. We preach the kingdom of God, just like Jesus did. We make disciples, which is the the great commission. You know, making disciples doesn't come from just preaching. It comes from relationships. It comes from dialogues. It comes from teaching other people everything Jesus has taught us. So you need to be taught. We need teachers. We need to teach other people. Some other reasons why we have what the purpose of the local church body is is to demonstrate God's love and character in us through relationships and fellowship. We demonstrate the love of God through relationships. We train and equip other people. We demonstrate God's power through signs and wonders. We empower and mobilize people for ministry, hence the Great Commission. But the foremost reason for the purpose of the local church More than training, teaching, equipping, empowering, the power of God, signs and wonders, corporate worship, offering sacrifices, all those things are incredibly important. But really, what I believe the foremost reason is that the Father's looking for a family. He sets the isolated and the lonely into family. And the local church, more than anything, should not be an institution, a corporation, or a business. It should be a family. It's to build family and community and experience real koinonia and real agape love. Agape love is fully sacrificial love that lays their lives down for one another. But we also have koinonia, which is intimate, benevolent fellowship with one another. We give back and forth. We support one another. We pray for one another. We help people in the trenches when they're going through a hard time. We've got to have a church full of trench fighters. We're building an army that fights with God's love and power to rescue the hurting the lost, and the broken. Now again, I know so many of you already know this, but maybe some of you don't know it. And if you know somebody that has said, I don't need church or has been hurt by church or feels like their church is only out on the beach or in the great outdoors, or they feel like I don't need church to be close to God, that's not true. Because the greatest commandment says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor likewise. Even John said, In 1 John, he said, you can't say you love God and hate your brother. And you say, well, 
I don't have to go to church to love God and to help people. Yes, that's true to a certain degree. But the more that God has in store for you and the measurement and the relationships and all the things that come with it, you will miss if you're not connected. And I don't believe that's the will of God. Check this scripture out. James 5, 14. Is anyone among you sick? Call for the elders of the church to pray. How can we have a church body if we're not together? And God puts elders inside of a church and leaders inside of a church for a reason. And we'll talk, talk about church government here in just a moment. We're also called to ex- assemble and exhort one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So to stir up love and good works requires us to be together, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. And for those of you that's the manner of some, I want to really show you biblically why it's so important that you're connected and a part of a local church. We're to exhort one another but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. I think we can all agree we see the day approaching. I don't know when that'll be. It could be in my children's lifetime, my grandchildren's lifetime, my great-grandchildren's lifetime, or my lifetime. But what I do know is I can see the day approaching. So hence, I need you. You need me. We need each other to exhort and stir up love for good works together as a family. Very important. Now check this question out. I've been asked this before. Is joining a local church body biblical? Well, the Bible doesn't say you are commanded to join a local church. There's not a scripture that says that. And though you're not commanded to join a particular group of people or congregation, this is the natural development of the kingdom of God inside of us. So because we have a full-grown Jesus inside of us and we're born again, there's a yearning and a longing just like he had, just like is inside of his heart, to be together with people, regardless of your personality, even if you're a high, high, high extreme introvert. It's not personality-based and driven. Everybody needs people in their lives and needs relationship inside of their lives. Joining to Jesus instantly joins you to his family. I've showed you that. All over the world, the body of Christ, We saw that there were churches. It instantly joins you to his family, a local church body that requires commitment and accountability, both of which are very biblical on many levels, both personally and corporately. Let me talk to you about this term, one another. You know the term one another in the New Testament is used roughly 35 times biblically. Learning to do this is so much easier when we are consistently part of a local church body of committed believers. It's hard to love one another really well when we're not connected to one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, you see that Paul calls us to be together and exhort one another and stir each other up and not forsake the assembling of ourselves together because Jesus knows we desperately need each other. Here's my next question. Does the church have to be in a building or can it be in a house or can it be in both? Of course, a church can be in a home or a building. It's just a building, whether it's in your house or whether it's in a church or whether it's in a shopping center or a separate church building. 
So the answer is, it can be in either. The location is irrelevant. However, the governmental structure is vital. The purpose of church being in a home should be considered. And if the church is truly doing its job, a home could not contain it for long. So here's my point. There are a lot of people that get hurt and wounded and jaded from corporate church or don't fit, feel like they fit in, and I get it. There are a lot of churches where you're not gonna fit in. There are a lot of churches that are not gonna value you for who you are, but rather what you do. There are a lot of churches where the gifts inside of you may not be developed. This is why we see people run to the new age or that are very gifted prophetically that turn into psychics. You see a lot of churches reject the supernatural. You see a lot of churches where you don't see an accurate expression of the Father's heart or they're eating from the wrong tree of the knowledge of good and evil and it's all about uniformity instead of unity. I get it. There are a lot of challenges with local churches. But do you know God still calls you to be a part of one? Even King David had to make it through Saul and then Hebron before he got to Jerusalem or his own family that persecuted him or rejected him. And so all of us have to go through this process of discovery. Let me tell you a story. When I got born, I never went to church my whole life until I got born again. If I did, it was with friends on a Sunday morning after staying the night at their house. I wouldn't call that really going to church. I visited every now and then, and I didn't like it. But after I gave my life to Jesus, I had this burning, yearning hunger to be together with other people that could teach me, train me, and impart into my life. I knew I needed to learn God's word and be discipled and be trained and equipped. And so right off the bat, I got born again, and you guys should know my story. If you don't know my story, you can listen to my testimony online. But basically, I got busted for drugs in 1992 going to a Grateful Dead concert and wound up spending a year in prison. That year was one of the best years of my life. I learned to tutor illiterates. I got discipled. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I turned my life completely around Thank God. And when I got out, the first thing I wanted to do was find a church. Now, you have to understand, I was living in Miami, Florida. I didn't know any Christians in Miami. Not one. I didn't know any of them. So I knew when I got out of jail, I was going to head back to Miami, and I was going to go right back to my old friends and my old lifestyle if I didn't get help and comfort and support. So for me, church saved my life. Now, I went through massive dysfunction in my first three churches, massive dysfunction. But at the same time, God used each one of them to cultivate me, train me, equip me, and prepare me, and even teach me things that I wouldn't want to do when the day came that I started my own church, hence Rock City Church. And so right off the bat, I went to this church where it was wild and crazy. I came, you got to realize I was in the Grateful Dead, went to prison, got out, went to Miami. The first church I went to was a spirit-filled word of faith church, but it was extreme, extreme, extreme on the manifestation side. And I walked in and people were waving banners and flags and tambourines and laid out on the floor, shaking and hoeing and hawing and laughing. And the pastor would walk around and jiggle keys inside of his pocket and shake his hand every time he prayed for you. And I thought to myself, this is the wildest thing I've ever seen and nobody's doing drugs. I was totally in shock because I'd never experienced anything like that. But when I looked up to the front, I saw a band. I'd never seen a band in church before. And right under a white halo light, this is how I remember it, was a brand new pair of conga drums that nobody was playing. 
and the people parted like the Red Sea, and I didn't care what was happening. I thought, this is wild, but you have to realize I came out of Grateful Dead concerts with hippie chicks and tie-dye skirts and bells on ankles and wild and tripping acid and all this stuff, so here I come into church, and it is like really wild, but for me, I was, thought it was awesome. I thought it was a little weird, but I didn't care. I mean, shoot, look at where I came from. But when I saw those conga drums, it was like God was alluring me because I had played in reggae bands and loved percussion. And it was just a matter of time before God wrote me in and I started playing on the worship team. But the pastor was really weird. He was really strange. He was manipulative. He wound up robbing the church of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And next thing you know, he sells the church or it's about to shut down and another pastor comes in. That pastor comes in and starts fighting with church members. <coughs> it was crazy. And so I right off the bat thought, this is jacked up. So you know what I did? I left that church, and that church wound up closing down anyway. And so then I went to an all-black church, and I've got to tell you, I loved, loved, loved that church. But it had its own issues too, and its own struggles, and its own unique set of challenges. But I was at an all-black church for several years where I got my groove on, and I was playing with some of the most incredible musicians and playing congas and African drums. Man, I was in my element. I absolutely loved it. But... Things were a little bit crazy there. I wound up moving to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I went to Oral Roberts University. And then I went to two or three different churches. They had their issues. Finally, I settled on a church called Open Bible Fellowship, where for 10 years, 10 years, I served. Now, was that church perfect? No. But those pastors, Joel and Linda Budd, loved me so well. And ultimately, so much of who I would become was because of their investment into my life. And... 10 years I spent at that church before God finally promoted me and moved me to Corpus Christi, Texas, where I served another pastor for six and a half years. Many of you know that story. That church shuts down, and in turn, God builds and births Rock City Church. So I've been through a lot of churches. I've seen a lot of crazy stuff, a lot of good, bad, and ugly, but in the midst of it all, God really, really transformed my life. And so what I wanna say to you is, the church can either be in a house or it can be in a building. But many people that just run off and start house churches, not all of them, I want to clarify. They leave because they're hurt, they're jaded, they're broken, or they couldn't fit in, or they didn't find the value, or whatever the reason was, and they go and they run off to start a church when they haven't been trained, equipped, vetted, or really paid the price to be in that position. Not all. And I want to say to you, a church can be in a house or it can be in a building. It doesn't matter. But what I would say to you is part of the Great Commission is reproducing. It's reproducing sons and daughters and family and growth. Like a tree, a church should be growing. So even when it starts in a home, I believe a church should continue to reach their city, reach their lost, make disciples, and would continue to grow and continue to become something more than what it, what it is. It can't contain being in a house for long. Do I have to join a local church body as a Christian? I get asked that a lot. Do you have to join a local church body as a Christian? I used to say no, but I'm gonna say yes now. 
without a local church family and a true apostolic community to walk through life together with, we can become isolated, we can become less effective in our callings, and we, be, we can become stunted in our growth. We would have no bearing of what normal looks like in the context of family. We would miss the connectivity God calls us to with one another, as well as the empowerment that comes from healthy church government. The key is to find the right local church body, and depending on the leading of the Spirit in your location, create one yourself. I get it. Some of you may be in cities or towns where it seems impossible to find a good Spirit-filled church community. And I would encourage you to really ask the Lord about your call, your purpose, and reach out to find some help from somebody that you know and love and trust, and maybe you're called to build something where you're at. But at the same time, I believe we need local churches for reasons. Now, I believe Rock City Church is one in a thousand. There are great churches in this city, but I still believe I'm one in a thousand. And what I mean by that is, I believe that our church does a really good job of measuring, loving, uh, inspecting, caring, giving, and building family the way that it's supposed to be. So what should you expect from a local church if you choose to become a member or to attend? You should expect apostolic vision, holistic leadership, dynamic prophetic worship, full gospel doctrinal preaching, signs and wonders, healthy, vibrant community, kingdom family culture, empower, an empowerment mentality to train, equip, and send believers into all the world. One of the, one of the statements we have here is you're not what you do, you do what you are. I'm not what I am, I do... I do what I am, meaning that my value and my identity doesn't come in titles or positions. It comes by who I am in Christ, and out of my nature, I do what I'm called to do. And so we need each other desperately. And I'm going to leave you with these two scriptures. There's so much more information that I have for you guys, and we can make this document available if you reach out to our church because it is very detailed on church government and why we need each other. But I want to show you this one scripture, Luke chapter 4, 18. Many of you have heard this scripture. It says, the Spirit, Jesus said this, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to do what? Preach the gospel to the poor. Sent, he sent me to the, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. All of these things can happen in and out of the church. But when hurting, broken people come to gather together with healed, redeemed mothers and fathers, what happens? You see a fulfillment of these scriptures. And there has to be a giving and a receiving. You have to have somebody that can preach the gospel, that can heal the sick, that can proclaim liberty, that can heal the brokenhearted, who can bring recovery of sight to the blind. You have to have somebody that does all of those things. But you also have to have people that come with those things. And I've already shown you today that there's tons, thousands, millions of hurting and broken people all over our nation and all over the world that desperately need answers. Desperately need answers. And so, you have to have givers and receivers to bring healing and freedom into people's lives. And so I want to leave you with this last thing. What does the term church government mean and what should this look like? There are biblical patterns of leadership. They include the fivefold ministry. They include uh, elders, bishops, deacons, saints, workers. And in the fivefold, you have pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, evangelists. You have to have people that are gifted in hospitality, intercessors, musicians, workers. I believe the greatest patterns in the kingdom are fathers and sons. 
a church family that's building a garden or a house. That's really what a church is about. All serve a purpose in the context of family, leading, building, unifying, training, teaching, sending, directing, coaching, correcting, refining, and preparing. The church provides all of these in the context of family and being together in relationship. And do you know, biblically, everybody should be desirous to be a mother and father in the kingdom of God. We call those mothers and fathers by title and nature elders and bishops. All of us, as we grow older in life, should come to the place where we're being elders or mothers and fathers, correcting, directing, and bringing stability into people's lives in the kingdom of God. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Do you know there is ministry work to be done and we need church government to equip us and train us For what reason? For the building up of the body of Christ. For what reason? Till we all become, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. God wants us to be unified and he wants us to know Jesus. And he wants us to become a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about every wind of doctrine. You know, there's a lot of deceptive doctrines and teaching that's in the world today. But when a church is healthy and strong and has a strong doctrine behind it and moves in strong family, strong community with the power of God prevalent, we become the contrast and we teach people what normal really looks like so that they don't fall prey, look at this, to the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. There are wolves out there. There's demonic doctrines out there. The enemy hates people and he wants to rob, steal, kill, and destroy from the body of Christ. That's why we need healthy church families. That's why we need each other. And so the scripture goes on to talk about growing up, verse 15, into all things who is the head. We need to grow up into all things to the head, which is Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body, notice this, the whole body, everybody say, I'm a part of a whole body. All of us are a part of a whole body joined and knit together by what each joint supplies. You know, the word for joint in the Greek is not smoking a doobie. The word for joint is the word harmony. It means that we become unified together in harmony and all of us doing our part brings us together in unity like a perfect choir singing together as one. So we all come together, we all support each other, we all give something according to the effective working by which every part does its share. You each have a a share that you have to do, that you have to give. Everybody does their share in a family. And what does it do? It causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I can't give you better scriptures, a better understanding of why church is so important and I will debate anybody all day long, and I do not believe that being isolated or out of the church is part of God's plan. I believe God wants you connected and that his will includes 
family, community, and local church bodies, that you can't just get it alone on the beach or in the great outdoors. What I can say is you can feel incredibly close to God, fishing, hiking, hunting, the great outdoors. I love them too. And there's something I get there that's very unique. I feel so connected to the Lord when I'm outside and I experience the beauty of his creation. But I would be missing something in my life if I didn't have you and wasn't connected to you. You know, there's a whole doctrine of laying on of hands, casting out demons, praying for the sick, training and equipping. There's so many biblical commands that call us to be together as one to bring healing and freedom into each other's lives. And so I'll summarize it with this. The Father's looking for a family. We're called to be the contrast to the world. The church should be healthy, strong, united, one, trench fighters and army that really loves as mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters. It should be a garden that produces incredible fruit so that when people come in to the church building, they experience supernatural love and life. The church is a body. We gather together, whether it's in the home or even publicly here in, church, in the building. Church government is vital. Training and equipping, working and discovering, all important. We define what's normal. You know, with fatherlessness, divorce rates, suicide, isolation, depression, broken families, where are people going to discover what's normal? And I understand all of you have perfect families that had perfect moms and dads, but maybe not. And so people need to come in and see strong marriages, strong family, strong community, and what healthy is supposed to look like. We preach the gospel. We have altar calls, we lay hands on people, and we heal people. And so with all of this in mind, I'm 100% confident that you are not, if you're not intimately connected to a local church body, you're out of the will of God. And I would challenge all of you to make it your priority to be connected with a local church body when this all ends if you're not. And if you are, I want to encourage you, don't fall away, don't stay disconnected, but get connected or get reconnected to your church when this all ends. And so, I hope I made the case for you. I know that was a lot of information, hopefully some revelation for you. I know that was a lot of scriptures, but I don't know when I'll ever do a full breakdown of why church is so important in a concisive teaching like that on a Sunday morning. But like I said, I figured you're at home sipping lattes, eating breakfast, playing with your kids. You can always come back and, and watch this message if you missed it. But again, thank you for tuning in online. Thank you for listening to that word. And I hope I convinced you that if you're not a part of a local church, you're out of the will of God. And so I want to leave you now with my exciting news of when Rock City Church is gonna open up its doors again and what that's gonna look like the moment you all trudge through my teaching to wait for. And so <laughs> here it is. We are gonna officially meet together as a church body on the seventh week, which is the week of completeness, which is the week of fullness, which is the week when it's all said and done, seven weeks, which will be next Sunday, May the 3rd, we will be meeting and opening up our church doors in seven days from today, which will be seven weeks. Yeah! Woo! So I'm so excited about this. We will officially, now I already know some churches that are meeting now. Some will meet this coming Wednesday. One of my good friends pastors a church here in town, and he's going to open up his church this coming Wednesday, and uh, we're going to open up next week because this coming Sunday, or I'm sorry, this coming Wednesday, 
I am going to be doing another Supernormal Natural from my home, interpreting dreams and challenging all of you, and then we will meet, all right? So let me say this to you. Governor Abbott, our governor, and our local officials recognize our county judge, uh, Judge Barbara Canales, who I sat four hours with in commissioner's court last week and who I've spoken to many times. Uh, they are only making recommendations, but they realize that the church is essential, and I gave you all the reasons why today. Man, did I give you the reasons. But they recognize the importance of church, and they have re recently recommended and implemented some recommendations for churches in Texas to meet. So they, they put out some guidelines, which we actually recommended to the governor as well. These guidelines have been approved by both our state and local officials, and so we're going to begin to meet, in a sense, in phases. And what I mean by that is that we're going to roll out some different things over the course of time. We're not just going to open up and have a free-for-all with no recommended guidelines. We're going to implement some guidelines, okay? And so for those of you that are more comfortable joining online, we love you. We support you. We understand. If you're not comfortable to meet together right now, there's zero pressure. Obviously, we have the live stream, and so you guys can stay connected with us, and we encourage you to continue to stay connected with us on the live stream. But let me give you a variety of little things that I believe are important for us to realize as we reopen. First, we're going to continue to sanitize services or surfaces. We're going to sanitize the service, too. We are going to sanitize service surfaces like you have never seen or know before, known before. I mean, we might even wipe you down with a Clorox Lysol wipey when you walk in. I, I don't know what we're going to do. Instead of anointing you with oil, we may anoint you with a Lysol wipe, whatever it takes, right? And so we're going to sanitize services, classrooms, and bathrooms like anally before and after every service and even during. We're going to encourage, we encourage each of you to practice incredibly good hygiene. Wash your hands consistently. Like uh, some of us, it's so hard to not shake a hand, but I'm going to encourage you guys to not shake hands or even do fist bumps. I know it's so hard and I'm okay if you do. I have to tell you I've done it, but it's totally okay to just go, you know, put your hands up and say, or just keep the distance if you feel more comfortable doing that and not shake hands. But we're going to encourage you guys not to shake hands or even do fist bumps right now if you can handle. But if you do, I want to encourage you to use some hand sanitizer, which we're going to make available all over uh, the church and in the lobby and in the children's ministry. So we're going to have lots of hand sanitizer. Of course, wash your hands in the bathrooms if you need to. Uh, if you're coughing or sneezing, obviously do it in a tissue or in your elbow. Uh, avoid handshakes and high fives. We're also going to make masks available. Now, we might have a rush to the church just to get masks, but <laughs> we're going to make masks available for those of you that would like one when you come, but they are not required. We're going to have hand sanitizer all throughout the church. I want to request those of you that might be ex exhibiting any contagious symptoms to stay at home and take advantage of the live stream for right now as we slowly reopen in phases. So if you have a fever or coughing Obviously, if you have something that might be contagious or you think you have coronavirus, uh, or maybe even if you've had it and you've quarantined, maybe just take advantage of our live stream for a little while until you are confident that you have overcome it and that you're healthy and strong enough to come. Uh, we're trying to reduce the risk of, of obviously 
passing on any additional sickness when we come together as a church. Now, I believe in the healing power of God, but I also believe to be smart. If you had the flu, I would have told you to stay home anyway. If your kids were sick, I'm telling you the kids can't come to the children's ministry. And we practiced that even before we, we um, had the coronavirus outbreak. So if you are considered high risk or immunocompromised, we encourage you to stay home and take advantage of the live stream. So if you fall into an age category that's considered high risk or you have chronic illnesses or sicknesses that could put you in the category of high risk, we want to encourage you to take advantage of the live stream. Now, we're still going to pray for people, but we're going to make some changes. We're probably not going to lay hands on you right off the bat. We're also not going to pass the buckets we're going to put boxes in the back so that when you bring your offering to the church, you can drop those inside the bucket, um, inside the uh, boxes that are going to be by the back door. So I'm going to ask you guys uh, or let you know that we're not going to pass the buckets anymore and altar calls are going to be a little bit different initially. I'm going to have you stand. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to stretch our hands towards you. But initially, we're going to avoid the laying on of hands to start. Uh, I don't know how long that's going to go. That's going to be hard. But we just want to gather together, worship together, and pray for you, okay? If you are uncomfortable attending, we totally understand. No pressure. There's no feeling bad. I always felt that way. If you have any fear whatsoever, it's totally okay for you guys to stay at home and watch uh, the live stream. We're going to ask immediate families to sit together, and we're going to have sections for that. Uh, the the recommended guidelines from the governor are that families can sit together since you've already been together, but we're going to have singles or those of you that come by yourself sit a, few, a seat or two apart from each other, which we'll have that set up for when you come. And then we're going to dismiss you in sections. And I'm going to do everything within my power to preach shorter messages so that we're not having a bunch of people. I know you think that might be the biggest miracle that happens when we come together. I know. I'm going to really try. Pray for me. And so we're going to ask, uh, or we're going to dismiss you in groups, in sections, so we don't have everybody coming and going at the same time. I'll, I'm going to do my best to end earlier. We won't pass the buckets. We'll hold off on laying on of hands for now. Mask, sanitizer, sanitizing. Continue to watch the live stream if you're considered a high-risk group. And then we are going to reopen the children's ministry. However, we are going to check temperatures in the children's ministry. So do us a favor. If your child has a temperature for any reason, just keep them at home and make sure it's been 24 hours since they have had a temperature, all right? If you guys have any questions, feel free to contact the office. Uh, we'll make all of these guidelines available on our website and also via an email this coming week. Woo! I talked as long and as fast as I could, and I'm sure I talked a long time. Let me pray for you guys before I let you guys go. Please, if you are not connected, get connected. If you haven't understood the importance of the local church, I gave you the best I had today, and there's so much more. Literally, I can make this a five-part series. But I want you to know that I love you and I believe in you, and I hope I get to see all your faces in a week from today. You're all welcome to come unless you fall into the high-risk category or you are sick with anything that could be contagious. Know that I love you, I'm praying for you, and I want to pray for you right now. Jesus, thank you so much for this family. Thank you for everybody that's tuned into this live stream. I pray, Lord God, that nobody would stay isolated or disconnected from a local church family, even if they're born again and believers and Christians. Lord, we know you've mandated us to be together as one, to stir up love to good works, to exhort one another, to pray for one another, to set the captives free. 
And I pray anybody that's battling any of the statistics or the things I talked about, financial ruin, loss, loss of, loss of volu- value and identity, suicide, isolation, loneliness, any of those things, Lord, I pray, God, that, that they would come out of it, find you, and find a family, and that we would be a family that can bring hope and comfort to their lives. I pray, God, that dreams and visions would come into their hearts and their minds and that they would see you, know you, and be stirred up to experience you like never before. And I thank you, God, as we come back together as a church family, something new and powerful is gonna happen. I love you. I thank you, God, for your kindness and mercy and grace to everybody that's a part of this church. And I bless them with more, the more that you have in store. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, all right, I just want to remind you guys this coming Wednesday night, Supernormal Natural, live from my home. Send your dreams in to melody at rockcitycorpus.com. Also, I want to remind you to continue to support and give to your local home church during this time. And if we're your home church, make sure you're giving. Make the sacrifice. Now is as important time as it's ever been. I love you. I bless you. And thank you so much for staying connected to this message today. And we'll see you guys on Wednesday night. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be doing a Facebook Live with Prophet Kevin Leal this Monday. Be looking for an announcement for that on our social media. You guys know what I want you to do. You better stay flamed on and you better stay connected to Jesus because the fire is more than a feeling. It's a reality inside of our hearts and minds, no matter what we go through and face. So you better stay fired up. Yeah!